City. It's your man, Big Pat, the voice of your Charlotte Hornets. And you're listening to the All Hornets Podcast Network, presented by Sports Illustrated. Hey, so obviously you just got done with training camp the last couple of weeks. It would be really good to hear just a little bit about how that go, how you go about condensing that into, I mean, I don't even know how many days G League summer uh, training camp is, but how was that process and how did it go this year? Yeah, I thought it was an extremely productive training camp and, and you kind of alluded to it. You don't get a ton of time. It's not like the NBA where you get all these preseason games and quite a bit of time leading up to your first game. So our camp lasted roughly four days and then we had our uh, our first scrimmage uh, and then we're able to kind of get into uh, season mode after that, getting ready for our first opening weekend, which was last weekend here against Delaware. So went really well. Um, but, but again, you alluded to it, uh, finding uh, the important pieces to introduce very early on. Uh, and the biggest thing that we tried to look for in those first kind of the first week or so is establishing an identity and establishing a style of play uh, that we want to make sure that, that we replicate and, and, you know, impose on other teams every single night when we play. So that was kind of the, the beginning uh, the stages of training camp. And I think the guys bought into it, you know, obviously having guys here in camp that had been in Charlotte training camp, you know, the exhibit 10, uh, players, you know, kind of helped with that because they were a little bit ahead of the game on the terminology and kind of what we were looking to do, uh, you know, from the very beginning. So they kind of helped in the learning process with, with some of the first time guys, uh, and it's been great. You know, the guys in the locker room right now are, are fired up. They're excited that the season's finally here. And they've really bought into what we're trying to do and playing the right way and, and being about each other and helping everybody grow. And it's been really productive to this point. And you talked a little bit about trying to get an identity of play. Uh, would, would you say the style or identity has shifted at all from, from last year, obviously with the new head coach in Charlotte? Um, or, or would you say it's similar kind of messages, similar identity you're trying to establish? Yeah, you know, I think it's a little bit of both. I think that, you know, the terminology is different. The play calls are different. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's just basketball. It's, so it's it's what do we think is most important and can help us develop and produce um, and what can help us win games night after night. So uh, there are some similarities, um, obviously, on the offensive end, sharing the basketball, playing the right way, getting to the paint, those types of things. And then defensively, the the physicality and the pressure and the presence, uh, protecting the rim, protecting the paint. You know, those are some of the big pieces. So, again, there's a little bit of new um, with the terminology and the kind of the way we're going about teaching things. But at the end of the day, uh, you know, for the most part, the style of play is, is pretty consistent and something, again, that the guys have really bought into. Cool. And, you know, you've just come off your first two games. It was a back-to-back against Delaware. Um, I guess, how, how would you kind of grade how the team got on? They obviously came out with with a win, a loss. Um, how, what were your overall feelings and any kind of guys who stood out in those in training camp and then in those first couple of games? Yeah, I, you know, I thought it was a successful first weekend for us. Obviously, would love to be sitting here 2-0 and as opposed to 1-1. One and one. Uh, But I think our guys have done a really, really good job uh, of creating that style of play and that identity that we just talked about and and doing their best to execute it. Uh, every night. I think we did that at a really high level on Friday night with opening night. Uh, you know, Kobe Simmons, Tyshawn Alexander, a couple of the veteran guys who have played in the NBA and have uh, professional basketball experience, obviously played really well. You know, Mark Williams was with us during that stint, and I thought he was really productive in his minutes. Uh, and he's still, you know, learning 
uh, the game, you know, coming from summer league and a little bit of run with Charlotte in the, in the preseason, you know, he's still trying to figure things out a little bit, but I thought he did a fantastic job of doing what we asked him to do. Uh, and it's tough. It's tough to beat the same team on back-to-back nights. And I've talked to the staff about it um, and our organization even about it. You know, this is as talented of a season or, you know, a G league, um, you know, from a, from a roster standpoint, from team to team that, that I've ever remembered seeing. So, you know, Delaware was extremely talented. They had a couple of two ways in assignment players here as well. So, you know, just telling our guys every night it's going to be a dogfight. You know, there are no easy games anymore. And the level of talent that comes in here night after night um, is really going to good, bring a good challenge for us and something that we can look to, um, you know, play against every night. So, again, I thought the opening weekend was really productive. Uh, it's a learning process. It's a growing process. You're going to be better this week than you were last week, just like we were better at opening night than we were in training camp. So, uh, we try not to get too caught up on the results here, and it's more of the development and the growth that we can make every single day. And I know if you look at the roster this year, the uh, the guys playing around the rookies, around Mark, you've got a lot, like you mentioned, some experienced guys, players you guys play in the NBA, multi-year G League players. There's not as many kind of like the undrafted rookie free agents that maybe Greensboro have had in the past. Is Is that something that's kind of just happened, or is that by design in terms of wanting a little bit more experience around some of the kind of like the contracted players? Yeah, I, I think it's a little bit of both. You know, I think that, you know, we were lucky enough to be able to get some returning guys back that we really liked from last year. Uh, and there were some guys that, you know, we have the the rights to that, like a Kobe Simmons that, um, you know, wanted to come back in and, and be a part of the G League again and within our organization. So it was a little bit of that, but it also was, uh, you know, off-season conversations, meeting with the front office in Charlotte, uh, meeting with the front office here in Greensboro and talking about uh, with the development plan that we have in place for our two ways and the assignment guys that are going to come from Charlotte, uh, what is going to give them the best opportunity to grow and develop and to learn and to play the style of uh, basketball that we want them to from an individual and team standpoint. So uh, like you mentioned, bringing in some of these uh, former G League guys or, or guys who have played NBA minutes um, really helps the young guys. You know, they're great in the locker room. Uh, their leadership on and off the court has been fantastic. And I think that their experiences to this point not only help themselves um, within our team, but it also uh, has garnered a lot of respect from the young guys that know that these guys have been battle tested and been through it. Uh, so when we get into games in different situations, they know what's going on. There's a sense of calm. There's a sense of confidence that comes from them uh, doing it before. I think ultimately it just helps everybody. It helps me as a coach. It helps our staff. Uh, and those guys that, that I'm talking about, the Jalen Crutchers, the Kobe Simmonses, the Tyshawn Alexanders, you know, all of those guys um, have been absolutely fantastic you know, in the locker room and um, to this point. Great. And then in terms of player movement for this season, obviously last year there was a mixture of two-way guys, contracted guys like JT Thor came down for a little bit. Kai Jones was down for a lot of the time. The, the way the the swarm are going to be used this year and the way that players will go back and forth. I mean, we've already seen it a little bit with Mark Williams and Bryce McGowan's. Do you, do you expect that kind of like process to be a similar, similar one as last season? I think so. Yeah. And I, that's something that even preseason before the Hornets season or our season has started, that's something that's been in the works in terms of scheduling uh, and plans, making sure that um, we're very organized in our communication and looking ahead on the calendar to what good days fit what the Hornets are doing and what the Swarm are doing and when we can find opportunities for guys to come down uh, and get meaningful, productive opportunities, not just 
playing in games, but being a part of practices, watching film, uh, you know, with the swarm or, or you know, after games, um, being able to go back and, and watch film of what those guys have been doing. Uh, so I do see it being very similar. And it's something that the Hornets have been really good at for, you know, since the swarm have, have been a thing here in Greensboro uh, in terms of getting guys down here and giving them opportunities and run. And again, I think it's just a testament to the success we've seen in the past with the Devontae Grahams, the Martin Twins, Jalen McDaniels, uh, and just the confidence that the organization as a whole has in uh, Greensboro here, my coaching staff, uh, and everybody that kind of makes things work here in Greensboro. So, uh, yeah, I'd expect it to be the same. Uh, and, you know, obviously it's help, it helps us. And it's an exciting time when we get those guys down here because they're eager to learn and they're bought into their own growth and development and being here and what they can get out of it. Yeah, I, I remember I wrote an article back in, what, it must have been 2015, 14, saying that that the benefit it would give if Charlotte had a G League team. Because at the time, you know, there was sometimes struggling to develop some of the, the young players in draft picks, especially the second round picks. I mean, I think Cody Martin was the first second round pick ever to be re-signed by the Hornets this offseason. So, like, they've, they've struggled to get that development time. And like you said, those guys have gone down to Greensboro and got such great experience and they're now, like, you know, more than just rotation players in the NBA. Um, so, yeah, I think I definitely think that's been, been great to see. It, I'm really curious in terms of, like, the communication the, yourself and the coaching staff have with the the kind of coaching staff in Charlotte. And, like, for example, those two games that happened at the weekend, is is Steve Clifford watching the film of those games? I'm guessing not. He's probably too busy. Is, is someone briefing him? Are you having catch-ups? Like, how does that communication work between the, the G League staff and the, the coaching staff in terms of feedback on how players are getting on? Yeah, so, uh, you know, it starts on Wednesday and Thursday, even before uh, the games get here. You know, the conversations that we have between the Hornets coaches uh, in the front office in Charlotte and then myself in the front office here in Greensboro, you know, there's a plan put in place of when guys are going to get assigned uh, and what the expectations are for those guys. You know, this is something that we sit down, like I said, even before either season begins and we start to hash out what development plans look like uh, and what guys need to really focus on if they were to get opportunities and run here with us in Greensboro. So it starts with that um, and getting them here for practice, you know, getting them on the same page with the 10 other guys that are in the locker room here in Greensboro that are here day in and day out, you know, their expectation as players when they come, whether it's a two-way or an assignment player is to buy in and fit into uh, what we have here in terms of identity and philosophy and to be held to, uh, the same standard as everybody else. So it starts there. Uh, obviously, you go through the two games in a weekend. And guys get a lot of opportunity and a lot of run. Uh, and then usually after that, for instance, this last weekend, uh, you know, we assigned or we sent Mark back to Charlotte. Uh, Mark has uh, an individual player development coach in Charlotte uh, that is responsible for his development when he is there. Uh, and that's someone that, uh, you know, I'm in contact with quite a bit. We're on the same page in terms of, you know, what the expectation is, what they're looking to see from him on film. Uh, so a lot of the film from our games gets sent directly to that player development coach. Uh, okay. and that's more of a deep, that's more of a deep dive for him to go back and watch March minutes from here, uh, along with me, you know, I'll go through and when Mark's here, I will, I'll pull clips. We watch clips from Friday night on Saturday before our game. So, you know, it's a give and take between both, but again, our communication and being on the same page is extremely important so that whether it's Mark Bryce, whether it's, you know, whoever else may be assigned to us this year, they're getting one consistent message. Uh, so that's an extremely important piece to it. And then usually from there, there is a briefing uh, with Coach Clifford 
And again, that's something that goes back to even uh, this offseason and starting at Summer League, even the relationship that I have with Coach Clifford, trying to mimic the things I know that he would want to see out of those guys, giving them the same type of talks, and having the same types of conversations and building the same types of relationship. So it's as transparent as possible uh, between us and the parent club in Charlotte. And then uh, Coach Clifford gave me a call. We were off on Sunday after the back-to-back. Coach Clifford gave me a call uh, Sunday afternoon. And we talked for about 15, 20 minutes about uh, how Mark did, you know, what his expectations were, if we thought that he succeeded on what we needed him to do. And then talked about him as on the off the court side of it as well. Was he coachable? Did he take instruction? Was he open to receiving the film? Did he try to apply the stuff from Friday and do it again on Saturday? Uh, so it was just a very encompassing conversation that I had with Coach Clifford. And I know Coach Clifford talked with uh, Mark as well that afternoon and that evening. So, you know, it's just a lot of open dialogue, but again, the, the more consistent we are with our messaging and the more we communicate as staffs between here and Charlotte, you know, the better off it is and the more productive it is for the players. But again, those yeah. relationships started, you know, in the summer. Uh, so it makes the conversations with coach Clifford and the staff really easy just because of the relationships we already had. Yeah. And I remember I spoke to Jello, um, his first summer league and he said, and I remember this really clearly that this is the first place he's been in the G League where he's felt like the coach has actually taken time to to work with him and give him feedback and tell him what he needs to do more of. And so I think that that approach that you just outlined there, you know, um, the, the communication between coaches, Steve Clifford giving you a call, like that's that just goes to show the kind of the level of service in a way like the, these guys are getting. It's not just go play and we'll see you next game or next practice. So that's, yeah, it's really interesting to hear. Um, you mentioned about... You mentioned about Mark and Bryce. Um, what would you say are some of their development goals, development priorities for this year? Um, you know, everyone kind of will know their strengths from watching them a little bit in, in college and in summer league. Um, but what are some of the things that they're really working on in, in your eyes uh, in Greensboro? I think the biggest thing, and it's it happens with rookies every single year, is just getting to a place where the game starts to slow down a little bit. You know, you play high level college basketball and then you come to the pros and the game is totally different and the pace is totally different. The way teams move, the way players are positioned on the floor and the actions that take place, uh, you know, so just getting the reps and the comfort of being in a professional basketball game. And once you get to that, the game starts to slow down for you a little bit and you're able to um, execute a little bit better. And I think that started in summer league with both of them and they did a fantastic job and it's carrying over to now. But, you know, starting with Mark, it's really just keeping things simple. You know, what are the things that are going to allow him to get on the floor in Charlotte and play productive minutes for Coach Clifford and that staff there? And it starts with the things that he does do well. And can he do them at a consistent level time and time again? And that's running the floor in transition. It's screening appropriately. It's understanding um, the angles of screening, the techniques behind it, how to screen appropriately based on what teams are doing coverage-wise defensively. And just all the details that come with it day in and day out. Uh, he's obviously a great rebounder, so rebounding the ball at a high level. And then his ability to affect things on the defensive side of the ball. Can he be a rim protector? Can he be disciplined and be the second guy off the floor um, and not give up offensive rebounds on the weak side coming over to block shots he shouldn't try to do? So it's the discipline, it's the technique, and it's the understanding of just doing the simple things at a high level over and over and over again. Uh, and I think that's where it starts with Mark. Obviously, he's going to have a little bit more of an opportunity here in Greensboro to do some other things, whether that's um, simple post up and back to the basket moves uh, and just handling and DHOs, uh, doing those types of things 
um, you know, just really, really well is I think where it starts with him. And then for Bryce, it's the same thing, slowing down the game. He's obviously a natural scorer. You can see that. We saw it in summer league, his ability to put the ball in the basket, but understanding um, how to go against certain defenses. You know, teams may be at the level on impact and impacting his pick and rolls or DHO. So what does that mean for him? What are his options? What are his reads? Uh, being able to uh, finish the ball at a high level. You know, he didn't shoot the ball extremely well coming out of college. Uh, so understanding his shot selection, you know, what is an efficient shot for us? What does a good shot look like? How can we get that, you know, three-point field goal percentage from 29%, which it was in college, to the high 30s and low 40s? So understanding what a good shot looks like, working on his mechanics and his consistency with his footwork, all of that stuff. And then obviously from a scoring perspective, he's going to have the ball in his hands and uh, he's going to be able to, to score it. So uh, can you make the right reads? Can you be a playmaker? You know, whether that's coming off of handoffs or whether that's coming off of pick and rolls, if the defense shows in a certain way, can you make the right read and, and set your teammates up to play better? Uh, so it's really just that it's the game slowing down. Uh, it's continuing to help them do what they do well uh, consistently at a high level and then helping them understand just kind of the nuances and the techniques behind what you do and why we do it. NBA fans, the NBA action is just getting started and so are the incredible offers at DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can make any $5 NBA pregame Moneyline bet and they get $200 in free bets if your team wins. So check this out right now. Everyone can up to 100% boost with DraftKings stepped up same game parlays. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app, place the same game parlay and combine multiple bets of which team will win, rebounds, player props as well. So, a couple of tips. I've been doing well on the Hornets this year. Bet the Hornets unders, especially when they're missing quite a few players at the minute. Total points unders, I think it's hit in four games in a row. Cut a couple of player props to look out for. PJ Washington, when he's got good matchups where he's not going to get into foul trouble, try and go for the over. So he's got uh, Caleb Martin coming up for the Miami Heat, Kyle Kuzma. I like those matchups for him. It's not like where he's having to match up with Sabonis. So go over for PJ Washington. Also for those players coming back, Rosier, uh, maybe Dennis Smith Jr., Cody Martin, take the unders because they're going to be limited in minutes. They get minutes. They're going to be a little bit slow. So take the unders there. And then with payouts bigger than ever, DraftKings Sportsbook is where I go to bet on the NBA. So make sure to download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now using the promo code TBPN. Make any $5 bet this week and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with promo code TBPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. Please see the show notes for details. And then obviously the Hornets signed Terry Maladon to a two-way contract just, just before the season started. Um, I, I'm guessing he's someone you expect maybe to have in Charlotte at some point, maybe when the team gets a little in Charlotte, in Greensboro at some point when the team gets maybe a little bit healthier. Um, it, it is like with that situation, will you wait till Teo gets there? Or is, is that something that you've already started watching tape on? Um, have you like have the, the staff in Greensboro had any links with him yet? Or are they kind of letting him just settle in? He's very new and has, has been straight into rotational playing time because the injuries right now. So how has that kind of been handled so far? 
Yeah, Teo's been great so far. And like you said, he's already been in the rotation and playing meaningful, meaningful minutes in Charlotte. You know, the injury bug struck pretty early for us this year. Uh, so there's been some reliance on some of these younger guys and Teo and even Bryce getting some minutes as well, um, you know, sporadically. But I think that goes to show, first of all, um, the talented group that we have is two ways this year. And the fact that they can be thrown into an NBA game and and hold their own and, and be effective uh, like Co- Coach Clifford and that staff needs them to be uh, while guys are out with injuries. But, you know, the relationship with Teo started very early on. You know, I was in Charlotte uh, with the Hornets through training camp, through the preseason, and then uh, was with the team at home and on the road for their first couple of games. So I was very involved even in the coaches' meetings with Coach Clifford and the staff and kind of their day-to-day uh, even before I got here to Greensboro to start that process. So when I was there, you know, I worked with Bryce and I worked with Teo directly. They were kind of the two guys that um, I'm responsible for uh, day in and day out. So, you know, that relationship and building with Teo started very early on from his very first day in Charlotte. So getting to know him, getting to know, um, you know, his style of play. I've obviously watched a lot of film on him from his time in Oklahoma City and the, the valuable minutes he got there with a the young Thunder team. Uh, so just trying to get comfortable with the things he likes to do uh, and then helping to create a development plan for him as well. Areas that he needs to continue to work on the positions that we can put him in uh, when he gets to Greensboro. Right. Uh, you know, that are going to allow him to be successful. But again, at this point, he's he's playing meaningful minutes in Charlotte and the priority is always going to be that. So I'm happy for him and the opportunities that he's getting very early on. You know, as much as I love to coach these guys to see them get to the NBA level and and produce and, and have a positive impact on winning um, and on each and every game that they play in is, is ultimately the goal. So, you know, that conversation started very early on with Teo, and I think he's a high IQ guy. He's played in really important games, not only in the NBA, but also in FIBA and the World Cup and playing in France. So um, I think he gets thrown in in situations. He's just very comfortable uh, and just knows how to play the game, and his IQ really helped with that as well. Yeah, and as speaking of some of the young players with the Hornets, I'm, I'm curious, actually, for – for when players get in at the end of the game, you know, two, three minutes to go and it's, you know, the, the game might be gone in either direction and what people call, you know, garbage time. Um, will will you as coaches still use that with young guys, even if it's just two or three minutes? Or will, like, is that not a, a real enough representation of of the intensity, the pace of the NBA? So is it like limited usage? I don't think I've ever asked that or heard the answer before. Yeah, I, you know, I don't ever look at it as garbage minutes, you know, especially when you're young. Any opportunity you get to play, I think, is important. I think that's why the G League is so important in general, right? It's, you know, any, you know, you can do drills all you want in practice and you can get up and down and play pickup and low minute things that they do. Uh, but until you're getting like legit minutes in the G League, like that's how you learn how to, that's how, that's how you learn and you grow and you develop is just playing in games and being put in positions to, to have to think and have to adjust and have to react quickly. Um, so with that being said, whether it's, you know, 30 minutes a night in the G League or it's three or four minutes at the end of a game in the NBA, all of those minutes are valuable. And it's something that, um, you know, we stress, you know, I've stressed to the young guys even talking to them is you have to make the most of every opportunity you get. If you come in for four minutes and you do everything right, you know, then that just gives uh, more confidence from the coaching staff in Charlotte that they can play you in, in other minutes throughout the game as well. So, again, you know, it's always been called garbage minutes. I obviously don't look at it that way. And I think that every minute you're on the court, you've got to be able to compete at a high level because you're playing against the best players in the world in the NBA. So uh, there's no there's no time to to slack or no time to to think that this isn't valuable. 
you know, because, you know, that four minutes of film that you may get, we can go back the next day and we can teach and we can learn and we can grow from. And any opportunity you have to learn and grow is a time you can develop. And the more you're able to develop, the better opportunity you give yourself to play consistently moving forward. Okay. And then obviously Scott Lewis and Summer League um, was absolutely devastated to, to see his injury. And I think I was actually there in Summer League for the first game afterwards where he came out on crutches and was, was probably louder than any of the coaching staff cheering on the sideline um, for that game, um, which I think was the double overtime, the double overtime uh, mm-hmm. sudden death game. I, I guess for the fans who, you know, following Scotty last year with the, with the team, can you give any update for the fans? Are you still in touch with Scott Lewis? How's he getting on? Um, yeah, just because I think people would be interested to know. Yeah, you know, I, you know, you never want to see anybody have an injury in any capacity, and and for it to happen to Scotty in summer league was, um, you know, really disappointing. And obviously, he had he had had a great training camp leading up to the start of summer league, so you know, it was really going to be exciting to see kind of the growth he made from his first year in Greensboro and being a two way. Uh, into that second summer league stint, and obviously it's disappointing that it had to had to be cut short because of injury. But Scotty has one of those personalities that's very uplifting and very positive, and I think that's something that you saw even in that Lakers game. You know, he was he was there supporting the team. You know, there supporting uh, his his brothers, his family, the people that he's played with, whether in Greensboro or had met in his time in Charlotte. You know, and he was just there trying to give everything he could. Um, from the sidelines and that was something that we that we really respected and we were happy to have him there uh, with us in Vegas you know for that those games after the injury and you know he's he's doing well uh, we him and I stay in touch um, you know we've it's been a couple weeks um, since we've been in contact but again I follow him pretty pretty uh, consistently even on social media and he's he's made quite a return already obviously he's he's out of his cast and stuff like that and he's starting to do strength training on the leg um, and so, you know, we were lucky with the injury that he did have that they were able to kind of go in and fix it uh, right away. And the healing process and the, and the return was not nearly as uh, detrimental as we thought it was going to be, which is great uh, for him and his career right. and whatever the steps are next for him. Absolutely. So he's back to, you know, he's walking again, obviously. He's doing some, some minimal strength training, trying to, trying to get the strength back in the legs. Um, and, he's, and he's bought into it. And you know, when you get injuries like that, it, it gives you perspective on on your career um, and stuff like that. And I think it's something that he's taken very seriously. Um, and he's going to come back better and stronger than he was even before the injury happened. And I'm excited to see um, what the rest of his career looks like and, and the steps that he's able to take, uh, not only on the basketball court, but as a, as a young man, um, you know, professionally as well. And then my final question for you is, you're, you're a young coach, right? You're 32 years old. You're the same age as me which is making me question what, I've, what I'm doing uh, <laughs> if you're already a G League head coach. But nevertheless, um, what do you get in terms of, I know like you won't be satisfied as yourself as a coach. You'll be wanting to develop and improve. Um, what, what, do you, what are you doing to try and help your own coach development? I mean, I, I work my day job in, in sports development and coach development a little bit over here, um, more at the grassroots level than elite. But what is it that the Hornets, Greensboro, or, or you are trying to do yourself to, to try and improve that? You know, I think the biggest thing for me uh, is just kind of figuring out who I am as a coach. And that the cliche saying is always you, you never know what it feels like to be a head coach until you're finally a head coach. And I came into last year, year one, um, 
you know, with everything written down in, in a notebook and on pads of paper and in all types of stuff that, you know, if this situation happens, we're going to do this, or if this happens, we'll do this. And I had all my X's and O's planned out and everything. And you just realize that things are going to come up every single day as a head coach that you can never prepare for or plan for. And it just becomes, you know, you trusting your gut and your instincts and, and doing what you think is best for the guys in the locker room and for the organization as a whole. And you make a decision and you learn from from your experiences. And I think that from year one to year two, that's been my biggest area of growth is, is just having more comfort in, in who I am as a coach and how I want to approach things day to day. Uh, the importance of developing relationships with guys in the locker room, uh, you know, having good ATOs and running good offense is obviously really important. But I think to me, it's building the relationships and having those relationships with the players that you coach every day. That's the priority. And I think yeah. that when you have those relationships and guys trust you, um, and you're able to have difficult conversations with one another and you're able to be very transparent in how you communicate. I think players grow and they appreciate it more. And I think it helps you grow as a coach. And um, I learn from our players every single day in practice. You know, again, the returning guys, the veteran guys that have great ideas, um, you know, teach me things, too. And I think that's the best thing about being a coach is you don't know everything, but you're working your best every day to. Uh, put your best foot forward for the guys in the locker room and helping them get to their next level. So from yeah. a development standpoint, I absolutely think it starts there. Uh, and then the Hornets organization as a whole, you know, working for coach Borrego for all those years, I learned a ton. You know, he taught me so many different things about both sides of the ball and culture and the things that he even learned in his time in San Antonio and, and his other stops before that. And then, you know, coach Clifford coming in this year and coach Clifford taking me under his wing and under his arm and him teaching me things. You know, and it's the beauty of coaching is there's so many different ways to do so many different things. And, you know, being able to learn from two great coaches like I've had the opportunity to have to and over the last, you know, five years or so, even in my time here in Charlotte, you know, I'm able to take things from both of them that I really like. And there's a lot of similarities between the both of them as well. So uh, it's helping me become more comfortable with who I am. And then um, obviously to be able to be here and coach in the G League you know, the comfort and the support that the organization has in me to work with the young guys, to develop young players um, and to get them ready for their next opportunity, whether it be with the Hornets or the NBA uh, is a huge responsibility. Um, but they've also invested in me and my growth and my development by allowing me to do this. And then the same thing with the opportunity to coach summer league, right? Those are just more opportunities where I'm getting reps as a head coach. I'm hearing my voice. I'm understanding how I go about saying things in certain circumstances, how I handle certain situations, both in games, in practice, off the court, having conversations with guys, all of that is growth for me. And I'm, it happens every single day in this position. So, again, I can't thank the Hornets organization enough, the Swarm organization enough for this opportunity because it's really – it's changed my life and it's continuing to change my life. And I'm growing and I'm learning every day and I get to do it alongside great people uh, and awesome players that are high character and, and are about the right thing. So, it's fun. I love coming to work every single day and I benefit from it as much as anybody else. Yeah, I always think coaching is like an iceberg. I know that's cliche, right? But you see the tip of it, which is out of time, out plays, rotations. But actually, the the big bulk of the work is everything that happens in between off the court, communication, those relationships with players, which is just such a massive part, but something that the, the traditional fan very rarely get insight into. Uh, but yeah, mm -hmm. that's interesting. And you, you say you come a long way. When I was researching for this, I saw that you, you were at South Alabama in Mobile, mm -hmm. Uh, yep. And I have family out there, actually. I didn't know this before we started doing that. So my grandma lives in Montgomery. I've got friends okay. in, the, in um, Gulf Shores. I've got an yep. a great uncle over in Mobile. So I, I used to go over to that area of the world as well, which 
yeah, it is a long way to North Carolina from from there. But it was a lovely part of the world. I absolutely love it all, all around there. It's fantastic. I didn't have to for the four years I was there. I never had to wear a jacket. It was yeah. awesome. And the, the the beaches, the water. Oh, I mean, it was. And then after so that, I moved to. And after my four years there, I moved to Brooklyn, New York, and it was a totally different world. <laughs> so I've I've touched a little bit of everything culture wise for sure in yeah, terms of absolutely. places I've lived. <laughs> Well, John, thanks so much for your time. I told you it'd be 15 minutes and we managed to double that. But um, yeah, I, I really appreciate your time and best of luck for the rest of the, the G League season. Hopefully we'll be able to touch base with you again at some point. And um, yeah, best of luck for the rest of the year. Absolutely. Thanks, James. Appreciate you.